You're listening to a podcast from West Wind Church. For more information, visit our website at westwindchurch.org. Well, as we uh, continue on in our service this morning, I just want to say welcome to you all again. And I was watching the live stream on, on my Facebook, on my phone, and realizing there's some names that I don't recognize. Uh, and so I just want to welcome you if you're visiting us online today, just to say thanks for worship with us. We are so glad to have you all here uh, and that you're just a part of our worship. And for those of us that are called Westwind Home, and this is where we worship from every weekend, we're just so excited and glad that we can come to your homes and worship with you this morning. It's a pivot of a weekend, I think is the best way to say, uh, say it, is that we've shifted to do all online just for this weekend. And so great that we have this incredible service online that we can always come together really providing worship for everyone as we move forward. And so today we're going to do one more pivot uh, instead of just meeting all in homes, uh, meeting online, but we're going to pivot our sermon schedule. And so a couple weeks ago I preached and I mentioned that uh, before we're going to, we missed through the rich young ruler passage in Luke 18, and we're coming back to it today. And so Grab your Bibles, flip open to Luke chapter 18, and we're going to start in verse 18 um, And as we walk down through this story. And so we'll pivot. So if you've downloaded your digital worship guide, the sermon notes on that page aren't going to be correct for the day. So just grab a blank piece of paper if you'd like to take notes or your journal, whatever it may be, um, and we can track along together. And I'm excited about this passage. Uh, it's, it's kind of neat for me to recognize that a couple weeks ago when we needed to shift and pivot for the first time, that the Lord was really preparing that so we could pivot today and really come back to the sermon and have it uh, just ready and prepared for that. So I'm, I'm looking forward to that. And there's some powerful truths that we really will all wrestle through as we read this story in the narrative of the rich young ruler. There's something about his life that he brings before Jesus that even though it happened 2,000-some years ago, it resonates, and I believe it will resonate with almost all of us. And there's something about his experience and his journey that we go, man, I've felt like that. But there's also the response of the disciples and how they responded to Jesus after this whole experience with the rich young ruler played out. And it's one of those moments that in my life I realized, man, I've felt that. I've asked those questions. I remember when I was a kid, I grew up uh, in a Christian home. I grew up in a, in a pastor's house, in a missionary's house. And so the church, the Bible, everything is really familiar to me in the sense of always having it around me my whole life. When I was five, I made a decision to follow Jesus. Such a vivid memory for me to look back and that moment with my mom in my bedroom on that evening. And it's something that absolutely changed my life in that space. But it was interesting. If any of you are like me, you've maybe grown up in the church and you've done the kids ministry and you've done camps and you've done maybe Awana programs or whatever it is that you've been a part of, you kind of get to these moments and the pastor or the leader or your small group leader has offered this opportunity for you to make a decision to follow Jesus, maybe to say a prayer. I remember having those moments in my life as well. My moment happened with my mom in that room that night when I was five. But as I got later into elementary school and into middle school, there was a lot more opportunities where others uh, spoke up and said, hey, do you know Jesus? Would you want to know Jesus? Maybe it's through a camp or VBS. And when I stepped into those moments, here's the question I ask. I'm like, I, <laughs> I, I hope the first time worked 
right? I hope that, that it, it, God heard me the first time. Well, maybe if he didn't, I'm just going to ask him again. I'm just going to make sure that this commitment that I've made to follow Jesus was actually real. Maybe I, I was just kind of second guessing myself or I didn't, maybe I dreamed it and it didn't actually happen. I just want to make sure that I'm walking with Jesus and he knows my name. And then when he calls me home, that he knows my name and he knows my face. And I was so uncertain in those moments. And so I made a profession for Jesus, oh man, probably four, five, six different times throughout my years. But now as an adult, I look back and I know, Lord, I know at that moment in that, that room with my mom on that night when I was five that you changed my life and you came into my life and you did something. But I needed the affirmation to know that that truth came because in my younger years of my faith, I questioned it. And, and I thought I was doing things right and I thought I had it dialed in, but then I, I think someone just, that little lie came in and was like, are you sure? Is this really what you want to do? And in those moments, I, I, I believed it a little bit. But I was affirmed later on that absolutely I am walking with Jesus. And absolutely there's this fruit of the Spirit that is transforming me from the inside out. And I, I hang on to that. And I believe the rich young ruler in this story struggled with that. And I think the disciples had their moment where they were like, wait, what about us? So let's dive into the story and let's, let's read that together. And I'm going to go down through and I'm going to read little bits at a time and then pause in this comment on, on those bits. And just because there's some really cool things that I don't want to miss in, throughout the story. So starting in Luke chapter 18, starting in verse 18, and it reads this, And a ruler asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. So let me pause right here because I think there's something really powerful that happens between at the very beginning of the conversation between Jesus and the rich young ruler. The rich young ruler comes to Jesus and calls him good teacher. This isn't, it seemed like this would be a normal uh, way to address a rabbi or a teacher. It wasn't. And Jesus recognizes that and he calls out the rich ruler at the very, very beginning and says, why do you call me good. That's not a usual title you would give me. But why do you call me good? Only God is good. So Jesus does a really powerful thing in this moment. He aligns himself. He states his deity that he is God, that he carries all the power of God in him. Now, he doesn't come out and directly say that, but it's really interesting. Why do you call me good? If you're calling me good, you must recognize something in you some ways that I'm not just a man who can do some pretty amazing things. I'm not just a man that can teach with authority, but I am the son of God, the savior of the world. And I love when we start this story right here. I'm not sure the rich young ruler really caught it, but I think that's what Jesus meant by it. Hey, as we get into this conversation, remember who you're talking with. I'm not just a good teacher. I'm a good God. I'm not just a man who can perform miracles and teach with authority. I'm the savior of the world. So as we go through this passage, even for us, let's remember the words of the story that are coming out are coming out from the savior of the world, the one who loves you and desires to be in relationship with you, walk with you, to transform you and to use you for his kingdom work. And so the story goes on. Jesus continues, you know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Honor your father and your mother. 
And the rich young ruler said, and he said, all these I have kept from my youth. Jesus, let's pause once again. Jesus does an interesting thing here. Because he talks about the commandments, which this, this uh, ruler has some understanding of. He even says, I've kept all of these from my youth. But if you notice, Jesus didn't mention all of the Ten Commandments, let alone all of the 640-some uh, commandments and laws of the Old Testament. He only mentioned, I believe, five of them that are here. And all of those five are commands that focus us on other people. They're not the commands that directly focus our attention on God. And so Jesus is drawing out an interesting uh, understanding for the rich young ruler and for the listeners that are going on here. And I believe this, that he's looking at him and saying, hey, there's a part of, of the greatest commandment that you love the Lord with all your, God, your uh, heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second greatest part of that is that you love your neighbor as yourself. So you love God and you love others. Now, Jesus does an interesting thing here. He points out the commandments that talk about loving others. And so the, the ruler looks at him and says, I've, I've abided by all of these things. And I think and believe that the rich young ruler is under, looking at the whole of the law and saying, I'm abiding by these things. I'm doing all of the law. I'm, I'm putting them all in place. I put them all in order. I'm living them out in my life. I'm honoring them. I'm trying to keep them forefront. Now, we know that that's likely not true only because we're human, the rich young ruler was human. The fact that he could probably be living his perfect life by all the commands, he might not be understanding all of the things that God has called him to. But he's looking at that and saying, hey, I'm living out what I, what I know to be true. And Jesus turns and goes on to the next phrase, and he says this. When Jesus heard this, he said to him, and in Mark chapter 10, where we see this story written by Mark, uh, Mark writes it as, Jesus had compassion on him. And one thing you still lack, in verse 22, sell all that you have and distribute it to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come follow me. So Jesus again turns his attention saying, will you follow me? Will you look to others first? Not just to what you have done, not just to what you abide by in the law, but will you take what that truth is and will you live it out? Are you looking at other people around you and saying that, that what God has given me, I can take and serve and love and bless them. I need you to give all of your, your desires up, all of your resources up, all of your talents and your skills and your voice. I need you to surrender those, to sacrifice those for the work of the kingdom, for the work of the gospel, and then leave it all behind and follow me. That's a big charge. And what Jesus is pointing out is, hey, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and then step out into loving others just like he is doing in his work on here on earth that he came to step out of all that he knew, all of his deity to give himself fully man, fully God for the gospel so that others may know him, that he can come and pay the penalty of death for our sin on our behalf through his death on the cross and conquer that through the resurrection from the grave three days later. He's calling us to follow him, to be like Jesus, to walk in his ways, to do what he has done, to love others in the way that he has loved others. And he's challenging the rich young ruler right here on that moment. And he goes, 
You need to give up, sell all you have, distribute it, give it all away and follow me. And having, he's saying this with compassion and the rich young ruler's response is this. But when he heard these things, he became very sad for he was extremely rich. Again, in Mark, it talks about how he became sad and he left. He walked away from the conversation. He didn't even hang out to see what Jesus might say next. It's tough. And we could go into this whole sermon and I could teach about the struggle of wealth in our world. That is not necessarily about having money, but it could be having things. It's the biggest house. It's the the best car. It's the the greatest vacations. It's whatever it may be. That, That stuff entraps us. It gets hold of us, and then it starts to lie to us that we need those things, that they're essential to our lives, that they're the priority of our life, and we get caught in the trap that the ruler did, that we realize that, hey, I, when, when it's called to follow Jesus, we give up all of those things. And that doesn't necessarily mean that we're going to go and sell everything and that, that Jesus is going to wipe out our bank accounts and we got to live on the streets. That's not what Jesus is saying here. It's this sacrifice of uh, the willingness to give over all that he's given to us, to return it to him as an offering to him and allow him to use those things. So therefore, your home, a beautiful home, you can use that for the glory of God by welcoming people into it. Your car can be used for the glory of God to, to deliver meals that, to folks that need meals, to, to be a, 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 a tool for the kingdom work of God. Your finances, God can use your finances to bring glory to his kingdom through expanding the ministry of the church, through supporting others. He's not going to take it away from you. He wants you to use it for his kingdom work, to bless others as he is blessing you. It's a beautiful picture But we get trapped sometimes when we get to that place and we're asked of the word, we're asked of the spirit, I need you to give of this. I need you to sacrifice and offer this up to me because it's becoming a distraction for you. You're putting so much of a priority on that issue that you're not giving me at all a priority in your life. And I want to work in you and transform in you something beautiful. I want to take the dead things in you and bring life to them again. I want to bring breath back into your moments of frustration and despair and suffering. And it starts with coming before me and saying, I've I've followed your law. I know your truth. I'm going to step the next step out and I'm going to love others. I'm going to give all that I can to offer it back to your kingdom work and I'm going to follow you. The rich young ruler had a hard time with this. He turned sad, and I imagine him dropping his head and just walking away, almost shuffling his feet. And Jesus, with compassion, walking, watching him step away from him, and he turns and he gives this incredible analogy of what this is like. Something that would make sense to the people because of the animal he's going to use in the story and the idea of, of fabric and sewing is very common in their day. But he tells this incredible story, an illustration. And Jesus seeing, starting in verse 24, Jesus seeing that he had become sad said, how difficult is it for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God? Verse 25, for it is easier for a camel to go through an eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel 
to go through the eye of a needle. Have you ever held up a needle and tried to look through the eye? It's pretty difficult to do. Have you ever stood next to a camel at a zoo? They're a large animal. Like even if it was a two hump or a one hump, they're just not going to fit. No matter what you try to do, it's not going to work. And so Jesus knows this. This is an impossible task to try to get that animal, that tall and that lumbering and that, that, that big animal through the tiny eye of a needle. And he uses it to illustrate that for those who've, who've put their priority on things like wealth, it's equally as impossible for us to enter the kingdom of God. If we put all of our attention on the things of this world, and that is what we worship, that is what we give our time to, that is what we put first in our life, we will never fit through the narrow gate, through the eye of needle, to experience the kingdom of God. And that challenge is so overwhelming for us to think about. We hear that and we're like, how am I ever going to see what God wants to do in my life? If that's true, what do I do? I don't have the strength to do it. I don't have the power to do it. I can never, I can't squeeze a camel through an eye of a needle. I can't ever put myself through an eye of a needle. So Lord, why even try? And we give in similar to the rich young ruler and we put our heads down and we walk away. And we don't even listen to the next words of Jesus where he says this. Then verse 26, then those who heard it said, so all the people around him who heard him just say this, then who can be saved? Like you've been talking about being saved, about coming to know you and being, but who can be saved? This is the reality. Who can be saved? And Jesus' words are so powerful and I believe continue in his compassionate thought. And he said to them in verse 27, what is impossible with man, listen to these words, is possible with God. What is impossible with man is possible with God. So for those moments when you feel like, I can't pull this off. I don't have the strength. I don't have the breath anymore. I don't have the energy anymore. I have nothing to give. What God is asking of me is too much to bear. I cannot do it. And I just want to hang my head and I want to walk away and say, ah, it's beyond me. But here's the powerful truth of the words of Jesus, a compassionate savior. It may not be possible for you, but it's absolutely 100% possible for me. Remember the beginning of this whole story. Why do you call me good? Only God is good. It is possible for me because I and the Father are one. And when Jesus speaks these words, it's a word that I'm sure this rich young ruler wished that he would have heard. To know that the struggle where he had to hang his head and walk away because he just didn't feel like he could measure up in that way. That Jesus says, but it's not about you. It's about who I am. What is, you feel is so impossible in your life. It is not impossible for me. And what a beautiful, beautiful story to be told and words to be heard in our hardest and our most darkest moments. That Jesus has us. That he can pull off what we see as impossible and he makes it possible. 
So this is what happens because after this all goes down, we see that there's been this, this challenge that has been set out there that this is the reality of, of what it looks like to follow Jesus. It's knowing God's word. It's, it's diving into his truth. It's obeying the law, but then it's following Jesus. It's offering all of these things up and giving them over to him and worshiping him with all of your life. And in verse 28, and Peter said, why is Peter always the one who asks the questions of like, I don't know. I feel like I was the Peter. I was the kid that made the decision, but then questioned along the way. I feel like Peter's the guy that had his moments where he just kept questioning. When he leaped out of the boat to walk to Jesus on the water, he doubted and he sunk. When he kept sitting, and, and we'll get to this place later in, the, in this uh, book, but when he's sitting and people are questioning him about knowing Jesus, like, yeah, I didn't really know him. He questioned his faith. He's questioned his commitment. And here he is again. And yet Jesus loved Peter. We see it throughout. We see it after the resurrection when he challenges Peter to feed his sheep. Do you love me, Peter? Yes, I love you. And so here we are with Peter once again asking that question of going, I want to make sure I'm good. So verse 28, and Peter said, see, we have left our home, speaking of the disciples, and followed you. And Jesus said to them, and again, in a compassionate voice, I imagine, that continues through, that we see Jesus respond to his disciples face to face and eye to eye. Truly, I say to you, in verse 29, there is no one who has left house or wife or brothers or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God who will not receive many times more in this time and in the age to come, eternal life. How beautiful is that? That affirmation, the confirmation of faith for Peter and the disciples. Because that's exactly what these guys did. They were called from their fishing boats, from their homes, from their tax collector booths. Leave it all behind and come follow me. I'm going to make you fishers of men. And every one of them dropped everything they had and they followed after Jesus. And Jesus in this moment affirms that. You've laid it all down. You've chosen to follow me, to walk in the dust of my feet, to hear every word, to hear and see everything I have done, to call me Messiah, to take what I, I, the work I'm doing in you, to receive the spirit and watch the world change because of you. You have stepped into that. And it is confirmed and that you are good. You and I, I know your name, and I'm, I'm, I'm with you. I'm, I'm, I'm running with you. I'm watching over you. I'm protecting you. Even at the point that he says that when you do this, when you leave these things, you, who will not re- you, you will receive many times more in this time and in the age to come. There's this literal response that Jesus is like, I'm going to provide everything you need. I'm going to provide you for the food, the shelter. I'm going to provide you the relationships. I'm going to provide you the experience. Everything you need right here on earth, I am going to give to you as you need it. So you don't need to worry about that. And when you look ahead to eternity, to eternity with me, you are covered. Your name is in the book. I know who you are. And so when that day comes and we stand face to face in eternity, I'm going to look at you and say, I've got him. He's with me. 
And we get to spend eternity together. And how beautiful is that affirmation that we can receive from Jesus? And so I wonder this morning, if we are in the, the camp of the rich young ruler, where we feel like I've been doing this church thing and I've been doing this God thing and I read my Bible from time to time and I get what it says and you know, I'm trying to live it out as best as I possibly can and be a good person and it's great. And I go to church and I'm, I'm in a small group and, and I'm volunteering in some way and then it comes to that question when you feel the Spirit saying, hey, I need you to give this. And you go, Ugh, and you cringe a little bit inside and you don't, I don't know if I can give that one up. Or maybe we're in the shoes of Peter and the disciples. Wait, am I good? Like, I'm following after you. I'm giving everything that I have. I want to know you more. I want to walk with you more. I want to do everything for you. I want to see your kingdom come. I want to see your church built. I want to offer and sacrifice everything I have as a response of worship to your work in my life. I want to see the gospel move throughout this world. There's a challenge and affirmation to be had. The challenge is knowing God or knowing about God, being in his word and and attending church from time to time is part of the journey, but it's not the full journey. Have you stepped in to follow after Jesus? To, To give your full life and everything that your life is about for the kingdom work, for the gospel, That doesn't mean you need to lay down your jobs and lay down your home and lay down your checking account, but you offer those things back. Lord, how can I use these things for your glory and for your kingdom? And for those of us that stand in that space of Peter and say, Lord, I just want to be reminded that you are always with me, that all things are possible with you. Hear the words that truly I say to you, I am with you. And we are good. And we're doing this work together. And I'm going to do greater things in you than you can ask or even imagine. There's a beautiful message on both. But church, let's not lower our heads and turn away and miss what Jesus is going to say next. Let's wait. Let's pause. Let's hold on to that moment to feel the challenge and the weight of what it means to follow Jesus, but to feel the confirmation and the affirmation of what he is speaking to us in this time. And remember this, that it's not about what you've done, but it's about who you follow. It's not about the good works you can achieve, but it's about who you're following as you're loving others, as you're doing those things. Who are you following this morning? Who are you putting your faith and your trust in? Are you letting go of your selfish desires? That what it, that's what it means to follow after Jesus. Lord, I'm giving away all of my selfish desires. And that's a daily thing. It's not like I do it once and I'm good. It's a daily moment a thing because as we live in our humanity, we wrestle with those desires that are going to creep up and try to pull us down. But every day we say, Lord, here is all that I have, my breath my thoughts, my energy, my time, my talents, my treasure, my touch. This is what we talk about at Westwind so often. We give those things over to who you are, Jesus. And I follow after you. And I want to soak up all the dust of your feet because I'm walking in your footsteps every day. I want to be dusty. I want my feet to be dusty in your word, in your presence, in your work in my life. 
I don't want to turn and walk away from you. I want to hear what you have to say next. Lord, I want to be confirmed and affirmed in you because you are the powerful work. You are the one that is changing my life from the inside out. And so church, this morning, I wonder, I wonder where we are in our journey with Jesus. He's walking, welcoming us in. He's making all things possible. And all he's asking of us is to turn our response back to him, to open up our hands and say, Lord, it is all yours. You can have it all. You can have everything I am. I'm gonna invite our worship team to come back up. And as they come, I wanna encourage you at home just to take a moment, to take a breath and to be reminded and remember that Jesus is for you, that he has another word for you that he desires to walk with you in a powerful and life-transforming way. And if you're having a moment right now and you're like, I just don't know if that's possible, Pastor Jason. I don't think I can actually get past where I am. I don't think I can give up those things. I don't think I believe, I don't think God can do that work in me. Where it may not be possible with you, it is possible with God. He loves you. He has an incredible plan and work for your life. He wants to see you transform. He wants to root in the fruit of the Spirit in you and grow beautiful fruit through you to see the gospel move in ways that are are unbelievable, beyond what you can ask or think or imagine. He's going to do a great work in and through you. And it can be as simple of a response as this. We take our clutched hands, we're holding on to everything so tightly, whether it's wealth or whatever it may be. And we open them up and say, God, you can have it all. You can have all that I am. You can have all that I breathe. I want more of you. And Lord, I can't wait to see what you can do through me because I believe that all things are possible through you. Father, I just pray that that truth will resonate through our hearts this morning as your church. Lord, that whether we feel like we're the the ruler or we're a Peter, Lord, may you speak the truth that we need to hear this morning. May we be moved to a place to understand, Lord, and even when our heads are are too hardened, Lord, will your spirit, the power of your spirit, break that down so we can hear the truth of your compassionate voice saying it's not impossible for me. Lord, move in us this morning to be your church, to make much of your name, to bring glory and fame to who you are throughout our world. Lord, we love you and we praise you and we worship you this morning. Lord, you can have it all.